The reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 to verse 2 of chapter 5. And it's on page 1176 in the Red Bibles. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Good evening and um, Happy New Year. If I haven't seen you, uh, it's wonderful to be back. I've been on holiday so that you may have not noticed last week I wasn't here, but I wasn't here, but I'm here now. Do keep that passage open, and um, actually I'm going to pray for us just before we, we get uh, into that passage right now. Lord, we thank you for your word. Help us to, to glean something from it that will be encouraging for us all this evening, that none of us would leave this evening without um, hearing what you have to say for us. We ask your Holy Spirit to, to use me and to help us to all be willing listeners. Amen. So what type of person do you want to become in 2020? We all have our kind of plan for what you want. Maybe you've already kind of ditched your plan because it was an unrealistic goal. Um, but what kind of person are you wanting for 2020? Maybe you want to become more efficient at work. Oh, maybe it's more attentive to your family, becoming less stressed around loved ones. Um, you know, there are loads of worthy contenders, uh, contenders, aren't they, for improving ourselves. You know, goals we can make for 2020. But one I would like to bring before you tonight that I believe will have a really massive impact for, for the year ahead. And that is Christian kindness. Christian kindness. Now, this might not be the most attractive goal for the year. But it is one that I believe that the world today is really longing for and seeking out. I'm not sure, uh, maybe there's many people here, I'm actually, I would be surprised there aren't, many people here who didn't receive a copy of, uh, of the same book I received this, uh, this year for Christmas by Charlie McAsee. Has anyone ever, did anyone get this for Christmas? See, there's a lot of, you see, there's quite a few people just for one book. And, um, uh, you know, it's a, if you don't, didn't receive it, it's a, it's a book um, about, called The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. And a friend of mine actually received the same book four times at Christmas. So, you know, if you didn't receive it, I don't know what happened. But anyway, four times. And it, if you've not got a copy, then it, it's a book of drawings of the relationship between uh, a, a boy, a mole, a fox, and a horse. A little bit like you know, Winnie the Pooh style. And the journey that they, they take together. And the book has been incredibly successful, considering there's a few people here. Even in Waterstones, it's the 2019 book of the year. Now, the author, uh, Charlie, is, is a Christian. And in fact, he, he, he had a profound impact on my Christian faith when I was a, a young Christian. And he and a team of others used to come to my school in Wales, and, and, uh, and they would preach the gospel and tell stories. And he would draw little pictures like this and do little, little doodles. And, and it had a profound impact on me and many other people in my school. 
And um, when you read through this book, the book doesn't explicitly say anything about God, but the pages are just full of Christian teaching on love, loneliness, fear, pain, you know, weakness, and for the benefit of this talk, on the subject of kindness. In the introduction, right at the beginning, it says this, Charlie says this, I hope this book encourages you perhaps to live courageously with more kindness for yourself and for others. And so when you flick through the pages, this theme of love and kindness come up again and again. So I have a few pictures to show you because I thought you might be missing out. It says this, what do you want to be when you grow up? Kind, said the boy. I like books like this. This is really nice. This is definitely a picture book. Uh, kind, said the boy. The next one. Uh, Being kind to yourself is one of the greatest kindness, said the mole. We often wait for kindness. But being kind to yourself can start now, said the mole. It's quite nice, isn't it? Kindness beats, and nothing beats kindness, said the horse. It sits quietly beyond all things. Now, why am I showing you these? Um, well, I just think these simple pictures, you know, they, they've had a massive impact. And I was struck by, well, why are these, why are these little books, why has this book had a massive impact? And I think one of the reasons, I'm no expert, but because it speaks about a world and relationships that many people are longing for, but they don't often experience. You can take them off. You know, unconditional love, uh, forgiveness, hope for the future, freedom from fears, and kindness. Christian kindness is a gift that the world is looking for. And we, if we are Christians this evening, if you know and love the Lord, we get to be those who get to shine that to those around us. When looking uh, into uh, the scripture about this subject of kindness, I was surprised you know, by what I found. You see, the Bible teaches that God's view of kindness is not something that comes naturally to us. Now, Paul makes the point in Romans 3 when describing how both the Jews and the Gentiles are sinful. He, he quotes Psalm 14. He says this, All have turned away. Together they have become worthless. There is no one who shows kindness. There's not even one. Now we might, you know, we may know of kind people, but the Bible teaches us that there are there is no one who naturally does kind things. In fact, Christians are urged to go on putting on kindness. Is it, is it something that we need to do daily? In Colossians 3:12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness humility, gentleness, and patience. And don't get me wrong, this doesn't mean that there are no people in the world who, who don't do kind things and who are, you know, it's just that the world's view of kindness is different to God's view of kindness. Let me just give me an example. Now, Jesus gave us an instruction on how to be kind to others. He says this, in Luke verses, uh, chapter 6, verse 31, he says, Do to others as you would have them do to you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, do you realize that Jesus wasn't the first person to say something like this? Actually, 500 years before Jesus was born, 
Confucius said this. He said this. Do not unto others what you would not wish done to yourself. And the Buddhist, which predated Jesus, also said, putting oneself in the place of others, kill not, nor cause to kill. And in the Old Testament Apocrypha, in the book of Tobit, it says this, do not do to anyone what you yourselves hate. And a Jewish leader, Rabbi Hillel, in the 20th BC said this, what is hateful to you, do not do to anyone else. This is the whole law. All the rest is only commentary. Now all these, these, these authorities, these predated Jesus. And if we didn't look really close at them, most people would think they said the same thing as Jesus. But that's where most people would be wrong. I think you should look again. Confucius says, do not unto others. The Buddha says, kill not. Tobit says, do not do to anyone what you hate. And Rabbi Hillel said, what is hateful to you, don't do that. But notice how Jesus differed from all these great philosophers and religious teachers of the age. They said, don't. But Jesus, he says, do. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now that is a significant difference between God's concept of kindness and the world's. Kindness is not abstaining from doing things we would, you know, that w- what we would like to do, but it's an action by which we will bless those in front of us. And so with that in mind, I just want to go through a few aspects of what, I, of what we see as what is Christian kindness in Scripture. So the first, the first thing is the extent of Christian kindness. The extent of Christian kindness. How much kindness are we really meant to show? You know, everyone could be kind at points. But this passage says that our kindness, it, it needs to replace, in verse 31, it needs to replace all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. I notice you can experience you know, half of that list while biking down the mill road. There's an old man walking with his grandson. Why are you so quiet, granddad? I have two wolves fighting in my, ma- my mind. Gosh, said the boy, tell me about them. Well, one is characterized by fear, viciousness, unkindness, envy, and lust. And the other by gentleness, kindness, mercy, forgiveness, and joy. And which of the wolves is winning, asked the boy. It all depends on which one I'm feeding. It's so easy to flirt with sin, to, to, to feed the, the, the wolves that, of anger, of rage, of malice, of all those things in our, in our lives that we know are, are, are not of God. But no matter how small it may seem, the root of it leads to defeat, to destruction, to death. Instead, we had to replace it all with the things of God, with with things of, like acts of kindness. 
my, my, uh, during my training for ordination, I got the privilege of going uh, to visit a number of different prisons and help lead their Alpha course. And uh, we've got an Alpha course coming up, just in case you didn't realize that in a couple of weeks. Um, there was one man um, named Steve who was part of that group. And Steve had been in prison for, for 18 uh, long years. And for much of that time, he'd been an extremely violent man. The first time I remember uh, meeting him, I remember shaking his hand, and he had like love and hate tattooed on his knuckles. And, um, but when I, when I saw this man, what God had done in this man's life could only be described as a miracle. Gone was the anger and the rage that seemed to mark who he was, that defined him, part of his identity, I guess. He was now filled with a different set of qualities, you know, heavenly, heavenly ones. You know, he was gentle, he was kind, and he would worship God as if his life depended on it, which, of course, it did. A year later, I was actually worshiping in the, in, in, a, in the church and in walked this guy, Steve. And he'd been given a day's release and the first one he had for 18 years. First day out, what did he go and do? Well, he went to Marks and Spencer's and had a, a, a bit of lunch and then he came to church. And the service, it was not a long service. That was a considerable chunk of his one day out of 18 years. I was just blown away by the fact that he came and wanted to, to worship the Lord. And he was actually released about a year ago. And soon after his release, uh, I met with Steve uh, and his family once again in church. And there he was. He was worshiping God and giving thanks for this transformation that he had seen in his life. And I've witnessed many other stories of people moving away from bitterness and hatred into a love for God and for others. And for me, I think this, this transformation in someone's life is the greatest encouragement that Jesus has real power to change people. That he really is true. If we, if we give, him our, you know, give him our lives, he can do extraordinary things. And it's not with a bunch of rules of what not to do, which I think a lot of people think. It's all about don't do this, don't do that but often with incredible loving kindness that we discover in Jesus uh, and, and through his followers. So the first thing is the extent of Christian kindness. It is total. It's a complete turning from one direction to another direction. You are going to look completely different when you fully embrace and walk with Jesus. The second thing is the depth of Christian kindness. The depth of Christian kindness. The, the act of Christian kindness is not just to improve the outside of us, to prove our manners, to give us some better etiquette, to make us look respectable and polite to those we meet. This is not just an external transformation, but also an internal one that looks different. If you look at verse 32, it says, Be kind and compassionate. One other word for that is to be tender-hearted to one another. I read about um, a Japanese missionary in the 1900s called uh, Toyokeo Kagawa. And I just got a little picture for him. And when he first came into contact with Christianity, he was fascinated by it. Until one day he cried out, Oh God, make me like Christ. Now that, that is a, a dangerous prayer to say, folks. And, you know, be careful if you say that. He went... He felt, he, called, he felt called to go and live in a slum in Tokyo, even though he was suffering from tuberculosis, 
which was the last place on earth that he should go. And, and, and he lived in a six-foot by six-foot hut. And on his first night, he was asked to share his bed with a man with a contagious um, itch. And that was a real test of his faith. You know, would he turn away from this kind of, this kind of idea of sacrificial kindness? Well, no, you know, he didn't. He welcomed in this man. Then the beggar, he asked for his shirt, and he got it. Next day, he went back for Kagawa's coat and trousers, and he got them too. And Kagawa was left standing in a ragged old kimono, and the slum dwellers, they just laughed at him. But as time went on, they came to respect him. And he stood in the driving rain, preaching, coughing all the time, saying, God is love. He shouted, God is love. Where love is, there is God. And he often fell down exhausted. And the rough men of the slums carried him gently back to his hut. And he once wrote, he once wrote this, God dwells among the lowliest of men. He sits on the dust heap among the prison convicts. He stands with the juvenile delinquents. He is there with the beggars. He is among the sick. He stands with the unemployed. Therefore, let him who would meet God visit the prison cells before going to the temple. Before he goes to church, let him visit the hospital. Before he reads the Bible, let him help the beggar. This is a a picture, you know, it's an extreme picture, I'm aware, of, of what loving kindness looks like. You know, it's going to be shocking to some people. people. Some people look at it and say, that's too much. But it's, Christian living can be really shocking to, 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 to people who, who see it. You know, the world might judge it as, you know, what kindness is, as do to others as they do to you. You know, eye for an eye and the kindness kind of things. But Christian kindness is based on Jesus, who in the face of utter hatred chose the cross so that we could all be forgiven. You know, I, I have um, three young girls and they are a complete joy most of the time. And um, if you, you have kids or no kids or, you know, you've been around them at all, you know it doesn't take much for them to cry, to laugh, to feel sad, to feel happy, all these emotions. They can all happen in about a 10-minute period as well, which is amazing. And there is a vulnerability to children, a tender-heartedness that makes them respond to situations in a completely genuine way. And as we get older, we have learned to, to control that a little bit to, and to shut some of that down. Harden ourselves to what people say to us a little bit. I, I remember very distinctly at the age of 14 making a decision that when I got picked on by someone at school and he did a particularly mean thing of putting tomato soup over my head in public and it was pretty cruel, I know. Anyway, uh, I, and I realized that crying at that moment was not helping my situation. I remember very actively deciding I'm not going to show my emotions publicly because that doesn't do me very good. And as years went on by, I realized that had stuck for many, many years. And we kind of hardened ourselves to certain emotional kind of tender-heartedness. I kind of killed that off. But I believe there's, a, there's something about Christian living requires us to be tender-heartedness and to, to grab hold of that and not to feel as we grew up we need to avoid it. 
But it does seem strange that Paul is asking us, that's what we need to do. We need to have that quality. And it, but for many of us here, we're thinking, I can't just flick a switch and suddenly become you know, tender-hearted and loving and kind to people. Well, luckily for us, this passage has something to say on that as well. So what, and that's the third thing, it's the instrument of Christian kindness. The instrument of Christian kindness. So what is the instrument? Well, it is that we have, uh, you know, what is it that we have to exert for ourselves to become tender-hearted? Well, the answer is in verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and and clamor and slander be taken away from you. In your version, it doesn't do it justice. It says, get rid of. But it's not simply down to us, is it? It, it, If it were, we wouldn't get very far. There is no way that we can deal with all the bitterness and hatred uh, um, uh, by ourselves. It must be taken away from us. I remember uh, meeting uh, another guy during an Alpha course. His name was John, and he was a particularly intimidating fellow. Uh, um, and I remember speaking to him, and he said, I'd, I, I, had a, uh, I always had a belief in God, but didn't know how that applied to me. And he heard the talk in Alpha, you know, why did Jesus have to die? And he told me that during the talk, that all his hairs on his, on his arms went, uh, went on kind of, edge and he felt a real incredible sense of peace and he said Ollie, what, do, you, do you have any understanding of what, what is going on and I went well I can, I can hazard a guess and after I explained to him the gospel and introduced him to the Holy Spirit you know he, uh, um, Holy Spirit he said I'm 50 years old and it's only now that I know that Jesus is real And what he described to me was this feeling of anger being replaced by just love, of peace, of kindness of God on him. Now, John did very little to receive this gift. He just made himself available. The Holy Spirit is not an optional extra for a Christian. The Holy Spirit is the only way we become more like Jesus. That is, folks, that is our primary purpose, isn't it? To become more like Jesus. And what is Jesus like? Well, in Galatians 5.22, it gives a wonderful list of characteristics that we can, we can desire to live out. And we will see these things lived out in us when we embrace the Holy Spirit. And it says, he is, you know, is, is full of love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, these are qualities uh, that are given by the Holy Spirit when we, when, we, when we become Christians, when we start being filled with the Spirit. You know, we can have all these qualities at points without the Spirit. Don't get me wrong. I doesn't, you know, these are elements we all can have without it. But it is through the Spirit that we will see incredible transformation from years of, of anger and resentment or, or, or pride and self-centeredness to becoming a person of love, of peace, of kindness towards ourselves and even others. You know, I know uh, Jesus today because of how one man revealed these qualities to me. You know, he was my chaplain at school and he was the kindest person I knew. And for me, that chaplain showed me what Jesus was like just by the way he lived and by the way he acted and the way he spoke to me. 
how do I get the Holy Spirit and these qualities if it's not down to personal effort? How do I do it? Well, the answer is faith, which is how the Spirit moves. Paul says in Galatians 3 verse 2, let me ask you one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. So what must I believe for us, for, for the Holy Spirit to conquer all bitterness, all pride and destruction and anger in our hearts and make us tender-hearted and kind? What is it that we need to believe? Well, that is our fourth and final thing that this text teaches us about Christian kindness. And that is the source of Christian kindness. Three things we've got to believe very, very quickly. Firstly is we must believe that Jesus died in our place. Verse 2, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I remember very clearly on my first week being in Cambridge, just moved, unloading all the boxes into the house. And my neighbor, he just, and his wife, he popped their heads over the hedge. And we do the kind of normal, hello, how are you? Nice to meet you. What do you do? And I said, oh, I'm just moving in here because I'm going to become a, a curate uh, in, a, in a church in the center of town. And straight away, he looked at me and he said, so do you really believe that Jesus died on a cross? That was it, straight down. Like, what? You know, and I was like, yeah, nice to meet you. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, yes, I do. And it's the greatest gift to, uh, for us all. It's an amazing gift. And from there, I got to talk to him a little bit about Jesus across the hedge. You know, let us not forget how important it is to, to remember that Jesus died in our place and how much we needed Jesus to die in our place. That is yeah, that is what Jesus uh, um, became on the cross. He became a savior, didn't he? He became a savior for us, and he has taken our eternal punishment so we don't have to. The second thing is we must believe that God has forgiven all our past mistakes and anything we will ever do in the future. Verse 32, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. You know, the only way we're going to be able to walk in the, in the, in the, in the things like the, 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 the gifts of the Spirit, uh, things like Christian kindness, is for you to, to know that you are completely forgiven from all the wrongdoings in your past when we come to Jesus. Nothing you, um, you can do can change that. No matter the decisions you have taken beforehand, it can all change today because you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You just need to accept that forgiveness. And finally, we must know that God loves us all. Verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. We've got to know that we are loved. Just like my children, they know that I love them. They don't always need me to tell them that they like it, but they don't doubt that I love them. You, know, you need to believe you also are loved with everything you are. And you will see a miracle in your life this day of the fruit of the Spirit, the gift of God being worked out in your life. So as I finish, I just want to just remember that in order to demonstrate Christian kindness, as Jesus teaches us, which I believe will have 
such a massive impact in our home lives, in our work lives, as we go across, around the street, just demonstrating this act of Christian kindness. We need to believe that Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. And through his sacrifice, all our sins are forgiven. And we need to receive his Holy Spirit, which can replace all bitterness, all rage, all anger, all self-centeredness and selfishness, all those things. And it replaces them with the gift of the Spirit, his loving kindness that we can live out. And when we can, and we can, when we have all that, we can demonstrate that. That will be an outpouring to those that we meet on, on the way, that people will see that. As we, as we kind of walk about our lives. Just to read that verse again, I said earlier to finish in Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, which you all are, holy and dearly loved, which you all are, clothe yourselves, put on yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I'm going to pray for us as we finish. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that when we come to know you, it is not about our effort and our striving to, to make ourselves better people. But when we come to you and we receive your Holy Spirit, you, you change us, you transform us. And Lord, if there are things going on in our lives right now, maybe those, that image of those wolves fighting, and we know we've been kind of feeding the wrong wolf. We've been feeding areas of sin in our lives. And we know that is wrong, and it's having a massive impact on our lives. Lord, help us to be those that uh, embraces you, embraces your love, your kindness this, uh, this day. We ask for your Holy Spirit to rest upon each and every single one of us here. In your mighty name, amen.